You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Why do origins matter? Today we're going to be talking about Doctor Who Flux, their Halloween special that came out for the beginning of this series of the 13th Doctor. We're going to discuss why Joe does not like this iteration. And we're going to talk about why origins with the timeless child matter. Uh, we're going to assume, if you're listening to this, that you're familiar with the characters and with Doctor Who. So this isn't necessarily for beginners. Hang on, though. It'll be a fun conversation. Welcome to Systematic Geekology, episode number 11. We are the priest to the geeks. And of course, when we say that, we don't necessarily mean anything by it other than we're just trying to be mediators for from the faith to the culture. That's all we mean. And this isn't a trap. We're just... Two guys who enjoy Doctor Who or don't enjoy Doctor Who in some cases, and we just want to talk about it. Uh, and again, you know, we just want to plug you guys can go over to patreon.com forward slash systematic ecology and you will see some after shows. We're going to be doing some geek debate series. Uh, Joe and I are going to get into it a little bit with this episode, but we're going to do a bigger debate on whether or not the 10th Doctor in Rose is the greatest love story of all time, which I say it is. And he says it definitely is not. So go over to Patreon, check that out. I am Joshua Knoll. I am a podcast host of the Whole Church Podcast. And I today have been binging like the behind the scene Disney movies that are on Disney Plus and just learning all about how Disney World and Disneyland was made. It's been a blast. I am Joe. Um, I am a co-host of Buddy Walk with Jesus, as well as a broadcaster and marketer. Um, and starting today, actually, uh, my wife and I are going to be going through all of Star Trek: The Next Generation from including the movies, including all of the uh, TV show. Nice, nice. You'll have to let me know. Are the movies like are all of them after or are they kind of like mixed in with the show? Mixed in. OK, well, I, I need to look up a timeline because I've been trying to start it. But that is not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> uh, it is a great show, though. Definitely think everybody who hasn't checked it out should check it out. Um, although I like the original Star Trek movies better, but that's that's a different conversation for a different time. Um, Again, you <laughs> are very, very good at being wrong. Wow. I, I certainly try. <laughs> Um, and speaking of wrong opinions, I, I'm just going to start and we're just going to I'm briefly give my pros and cons for this episode. I'll do a zero to ten rating. I'll let Joe do his. Um, I am big in the minority because I did like this episode. But as with everything with this 13th Doctor and the current showrunner, I just don't love it. Um, as, for, as far as as far as the pros, I really liked Yaz's character development. I thought that was really cool. Um, I always like the 13th Doctor's acting. Just her presence on screen is fun for me. And overall, it was kind of cool. It was the first time in a long time Doctor Who's got me excited about anything. So they show this new villain that I'm like, hey, I would like to know more about you. But because I know the writer is not as good as Davy Russell or Russell Davies, who's coming back next year, I'm just kind of like, eh, I definitely could wait till he's back because I know it'll be good when he's there and having that looming over kind of that's one of the big cons of this for me is knowing what's coming makes it really hard to be excited about anything with this. Um, they definitely threw way too much into one episode. However, it did kind of remind me of some of the more classic Dr. Who's where it just had a name of the series 
and it's just all a series like multiple parts to one big story basically so that was kind of cool um but yeah no the dialogue was awful like whoever was writing their like what they're going to say like the trick or treat line i was like this is this is bad and there was there's a lot of just really cheesy unnecessary things added um and the dog race um i forgot the name of them already it would have been cool if they did that 50 years ago but now it's like where have they been this whole time this makes no sense how are we going to have another species linked to our species that have just not been present in uh, according to canon we've had the doctor for thousands of years since the first episode and these have just never showed up that i just don't i don't get that um uh, so overall i'll give it a 6 out of 10 i didn't hate it um and i might go back and change it if they follow through with this story that and they do a great job with this villain, they might surprise me. But I, I don't have a ton of faith in what's going on right now, so I'm going to keep it at a six. So, to me, this episode was just empty calories. And this is what I mean. <laughs> it simultaneously felt like too much, and yet it was nothing. You get done uh, watching it, and it was all cupcake and nonsense. And so you're left with like, did I even eat anything? Yeah, thousands of calories worth of stuff, but it, it didn't satiate me at all. Um, every single time that Jodie Whittaker opened her mouth, I heard circus music. Just she's like a clown. She just what? like laugh it up chuckles. Like it was it honestly, I would prefer Matt Smith over this. Like it's just like just the most nonsensical quippy garbage that like and yes, yes, before all of you Doctor Who fans out there uh come come up against me on this one, I understand that the doctor is quippy. I get this. But stopping the scene just so you can get your cheesy, terribly written, really bad one-liner in will 100% take a person out of the scene. That And that's the thing is like, it just, when when she stops and delivers these, uh, these lines, I don't know if it's just the, the depths of how bad the writing is or <laughs> if it's that in combination with the fact that like I Jody Whitaker can't act her way out of a brown paper bag. But to me, it just when she when she stops and delivers these lines, it's like, hey, get it? I'm looking down the camera. Hey, get it? It's it's uh fourth wall breaking. Get it, guys? That's it's meta. No, man. Like <laughs> to me, it so much of what this was was so paint by numbers like I like it, it it reeked of a first year show writer taking a template from Google and saying how do I do a an episode of a sci-fi TV show and I'm going to check this box and I'm going to check this box and I'm going to go down systematically throughout the entire thing but at the same token like <laughs> This is the same person that wrote the nonsense and the absolute garbage of the Timeless Child. What? So, 
That was oh, cool. terrible. <laughs> it breaks all of... It, it literally breaks all of continuity. Like, oh, it's been no. around for thousands of years. I don't think so, Tim. Like, that literally makes all of Old Who irrelevant. It makes all of it not worth actually watching. Be, and it goes against so much of what was already established in the lore. I'm all for, I'm a huge comic fan. I'm all for a good retcon. I don't care. I'm good with that. You, you can, you can wreck, you can pick and choose where you retcon here and there. But when you go in and you just break the timeline, just I'm done with this. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and break an arm off this toy that's not retconning. That's just bad writing. I I really feel like it explained so much and it actually fit a lot better. Like the whole the whole timeline of how the doctor was half human, but we really weren't sure how he could be half human, given what we knew of his origins. That's kind of explained that. And that that was cool for me. When you have this thing that is so in a particular direction. And then you start to, you see the direction fly off the first time with Matt Smith. Oh. And <laughs> fascinatingly enough, that's the, the one that's in contention for the next worst season, but I digress. And then you start to course correct with part of Peter, Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi's, big, the biggest thing that he suffers from is terrible writing. Outside of that, I think his idea for, for a doctor was actually very, very compelling. And then you get to this where they can't shut up long enough about whatever agenda they're trying to uh, push in order to, I don't know, tell a compelling story. I don't know. Maybe that's what we're supposed to do on a weekly TV show is tell a story that's worth actually turning into. Um, yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> I, I cannot bring myself to go any higher than like a three. Maybe if maybe if I'm not being so cynical one day, you might get me at a 3.5 if I've had a particularly good morning. But yeah, no. Okay, so getting to the debate part of this, um, I, I, and it could be because I've watched uh, Broadchurch and uh, what's the British version of that? Jodie Whittaker is in those two. And I really feel like she's a great actress. Um, I think she's giving awful dialogue in this series, but I also feel like this series has a lot of bonuses outside of her for me. Like, um, I, I think the filmography is beautiful. I think this has been the most beautiful looking doctor who has ever been uh, just from an aesthetics point of view. But if I wanted to just see pretty pictures, I could go, <laughs> go downtown to the art museum. Um, and the story has existed. I think a lot of, for me, is like the nostalgia is still there. I hear the TARDIS. They still have bits and pieces that I like. I like the idea that they tried to make sense of how the Doctor could be half human. But it never, they never sold me on anything. Like, I was always like, okay. Like, it was always just barely good enough for me to keep watching. And that's just, that's sort of where I'm at with Jodie Whittaker's run with the Doctor. And I do not blame her. I will absolutely agree that it there it was pretty that uh, that I will give it. Um it was hard to stop and appreciate that when this was like I said just a a very formulaic episode of Doctor Who. Like you know beat for beat for beat yeah. and do you, you know, 
do you feel like it's been formulaic the entire time he's been writing? Um, probably. Yeah, I I wouldn't well, be because I've, I've never I, pinpointed why I have such a hard time getting excited with this with this writing and stuff. Because I've never, again, I never thought it was bad, but I've always just kind of been like, this isn't exciting. You know, and honestly, because. I would venture to say that if you are any kind of fan of legacy Doctor Who, everything that you've known and loved for the most part has been reworked or dulled down or done better than than previously. Um, they showed the Weeping Angels there at the end. Okay. That was cool. um no, it wasn't like that was that was very much a break glass in case of a boring episode sort of thing. Like it just was. Like, I just everything. like the angels. <laughs> right. They're a great idea, but they're a great idea. Just like the Daleks are a great idea. And the great idea is only great if you make them menacing. It's the same problem that happened with Anakin Skywalker in the prequel trilogy. You took all all sense of appeal (laughs) and mysticism or anything like that was intriguing about this character that this big menacing character almost larger than life in the original three and then you made him a snivelly whiny kid and like i get it you're supposed to see the progression and all of this kind of stuff but like no it's the same idea with the Daleks. It's the same idea with the Weeping Angels. It's the same idea with a lot of these beats that even down to, you know, to get to get real nerdy here for a second. Um, there is a type of television that is from Japan called tokusatsu, which is uh, like Power Rangers, that kind of thing. That's all tokusatsu. Um, huh. Japanese, Japanese uh, uh, show with American um, interlay. You know, if you ever notice there, the cutaway scenes are from the Japanese show, Super Sentai. The American scenes are, are originally shot for Power Rangers. There was this thing that kept happening. And part of why a lot of tokusatsu kind of left and, and like the, that kind of live action sort of, sort of deal left and kind of fell off was because you saw the difference between the Japanese stuff that was like the props were really good a lot of the time, things like that, um, and the American stuff that looked like people were playing with toys. And that's <laughs> literally yeah. what so much of that episode looked like. It looked like people playing with toys. And I'm like, no, like the scenery was was pretty, but like the like the weapons or anything like that, the equipment all just looked like like toy props. I, you know what I mean? I like that. They got the angel back to where instead of it trying to like show the angel moving and like what they did during the Matt Smith years with the angels, like how it looked just thinking aesthetically. I like how they went back to the original look for the, for the angels. That was nice. But also the thing with this kind of episode for me, they had so many different streams, right? If this was Russell Davies or heck, if this was Stephen Moffat, and all of these pieces were there, I would be excited because even with Stephen Moffat, you know it's going to come together in at least an exciting way, even if it's dumb. But with this writer, I'm like, I I see all the pieces. I want to be excited, but I'm also just cautious with him. And again, 
just having it looming over that this much better writer is coming next year, it makes it almost impossible to get into this. Because <laughs> I'm like, I, no matter what happens this season, I know there will be a next season and that I will like it more. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm hoping far like for me, I I don't necessarily have a big qualm with shows that have a different morality track than me. Like yeah. I'm a huge fan of the CW shows like I've and very much there's tons of people that could sit here yeah <laughs> where I am on that on those and and say a lot of the same stuff they're formulaic they're this or that agenda fill all of that yeah yeah you're probably not wrong with a lot of that um but for me those kinds of shows while it comes up every once in a while it's it's the the IP first and yeah. the problem is, is they're so with it, with this iteration of Doctor Who, they're so not IP first and have gone to such a degree to try and rally fans against anybody that doesn't see it that way, that it's hard to go. It's hard to get in they're, they're into it. Like they're not telling a compelling enough story to actually hold my interest enough to overcome all of the nonsense that's associated with it. So you've, you've essentially created this high barrier of entry for a fan to, for a lapse fan, I guess, to get into it or for somebody that is, you know, if you ask most Doctor Who fans, you, to, you know, where would you point a new person? They point him to like Tenet or they point him to <laughs> Matt Smith yeah. or they point him to one of these tentpole doctors where when you look at this, it's just kind of mediocre and it's just kind of OK. And like unless you're talking about a full scale rewrite from um once once davies comes back there's the, there does come a point where a writer can kill a show beyond repair and we've seen doctor who go on the shelf before and i'm not saying it would be gone forever because its premise literally uh lends to being able to reboot it which yeah cool but there is a point of no return where people will just stop tuning in where it's just not worth it. You know what I mean? When you are so heavily relying on your core fan base to get you through rather than creating new fans, you're doing something wrong. And that's exactly what I feel like they are counting on with these kinds of things while throwing in like those little nods and different things like that, that like, Oh, Hey, look at that. Look at what we did. Are you happy with us now? Nope. We're, you're still trash. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, this is one of those where I, I do think it just comes down to, to taste for the most part. Um, I can stand it. I like it enough to watch it. And that that's pretty much it. Like I, I wouldn't defend it and say it was great or even good. I can, I can stand it. Uh, there's been so many parts of it that I've liked and, and not even part like whole parts, but like, you know, bits and pieces. I like what they did with the angels, for example. Right. I like the idea of the timeless child. I like 
the idea of Jodie Whittaker as the doctor and how she was trying to get her inspiration from Tennant because she was so close to him. Like there were so many good like ideas, the filmography, you know, I, I've mentioned that before. It's just never all clicked in a way that was fun and exciting like the show usually is. Uh, but that being said, for me, and this is just for me, it's still a much better show than most other shows out there for me. I, I would still rather watch this than Stranger Things season four. Sorry, everybody. And even if Stranger Things 4 might be better, I still would prefer this just because it's Doctor Who and I have a love for the show. And that's pretty much all it comes down to for me. And that's the and and that is. Fantastic that you have found an IP that is that you resonate with and and all of that. That's that's fantastic. The problem the problem becomes when people like that, when that is your audience base, you're not finding new fans. Yeah. <laughs> you're not pushing new boundaries. It's just people that like, but I'm nostalgic for how I used to feel about Doctor Who. So I'll watch it until I feel that way again. Yeah, which has honestly been a thing since Moffat came in. And we, we had a few good moments with Smith and Capaldi was a great doctor in a not so great story half the time. But I do have faith that the show will get back with uh, Russell Davies coming back. And I'm excited to see what that's like. It's been a long time since the show has been at the caliber that I expect it at. Uh, It's much like um, how I feel about Solo, the Star Wars film, where I'm like, man, that was not a good Star Wars film. But man, is it better than most other movies? (laughs) What I did want to do, one of these pieces that I liked that you did not like was the timeless child. I I found the idea interesting. And I I feel like the reason it was so controversial among fans even was because we're also interested in the doctor's origins, right? Like, is he half human? Cause you know, even that's been debated. We're not sure. Did the master lie? We're not sure if the doctor left that evidence in the TARDIS to kind of fool him, which for those who don't know, that was first mentioned uh, in the doctor who movie. And that's what I'm referencing right now. Because I feel like even people who are familiar with Doctor Who haven't necessarily seen that movie. So that that's for you guys if you're wondering where that came from. It came from there. Uh, it's in a couple other episodes with Capaldi and some of the audiobooks mention it. But it's never been delved into. So we've always kind of just had this question mark of, is the Doctor half human? And now that question mark is leaning more towards yes. And that's pretty much what we got from Timeless Child. Um, but even outside of that, like we all like a good superhero origin. Um, and bring it to more to the real world, people love arguing because they're so passionate about, you know, old earth or young earth creationism or uh, Christian evolutionist or, you know, not Christian evolutionist um, or even your own origin. You know, I know people who don't have a fond memory of their childhood and that infects their entire life. And I have people who don't remember a lot from their childhood and they found something out about it and that's shaking them to their core. Why? Why do origins matter so much to us, Joe? Why can't we just what's happening right here, right now? Who cares about yesterday? Um, because I think for a lot of people, it's tied into what is your identity? Where am I from? You know, when when you are asked, who are you? There are a couple of a handful of of go to things, occupation, um, where you're from. Uh, nationality, things like that. And so we kind of want to 
figure out who we are by figuring out where we come from. That and from a from a, a cosmic sense, I think it's a lot of people trying to make sense of what this world is and everything that that all of the unexplained. You know what I mean? Yeah. I so one thing when we get to the origins of the world and um because I, I'm I'm careful to do this with the whole church podcast and I just don't want I don't want to ruin my whole church fan base by telling them what I believe on certain things. So I'm going to keep this a little vague, but I do find it fascinating how important the creationist arguments have become amongst Christians and how a lot of what people outside of the church, that's what they know about the church, right? Is that we argue about creationism. Like that's like one of the main things they know about us that, and that we hate people, which, you know, that second thing we could talk another time. <laughs> but the what's weird to me is the fundamentalist papers back like less than a hundred years ago included a Christian evolutionist. At that point, you could be a fundamentalist and believe in evolution. And that's just not the case at all now. Now it's like you have to buy completely one side or the other, and it all comes back to this question of origin. And I want to know. When when did we start placing such an importance on that? Like why why has that changed? I think it's a couple it's a couple fold. A, um, if you ask the common person, like average everyday person, about evolution, about what their take is on evolution, they will think likely that you are immediately talking about um our, our you know the idea that we came from apes and that all of that kind of stuff um evolution has so many different forms like there's microevolution there's macroevolution there's so many different evolution is so nuanced that on both sides it becomes this thing that it, it you either believe in evolution or you believe in creationism. And that's part of the, the pop behind it, this big rivalry that, you know, people have talked about and this and that. Like, I think it's just a, a, a long time of people building something up without actually fully understanding what it is that, that they're talking about. And with that, we also live in a day and time where there's tribalism, that everything is tribalized. Everything is soundbite. Everything is me versus you. And if you don't agree with me, then you're against me sort of thing. So it's easy meant it's easy to develop the mentality of i have to be right about this uh this is this is truth sort of thing it's kind of like end times in that regard there's a whole lot of people that have a whole lot to say <laughs> about end times but i dare i i've said this for ever ever since i had my come to jesus moment i dare and challenge a single christian to present proof of their side to me that we are any closer to the end of days than the people that walked with Jesus. I, I challenge anybody. You could throw theories and ideas at me 
three ways from Sunday. I understand this, but it's one of those things that you cannot prove. It's almost like the Bible said something about man not knowing the day and time. So I think part of it is us outreaching ourselves. I think we aren't necessarily meant to understand as much as we try to understand. Yeah. So, so my take on this, I I really feel like to, a lot of degrees, it's just we want to have the other. We want to have someone to fight, basically. Um, from from my understanding, it wasn't until like the Stokes v. Monkey case that all of a sudden evolution creation was a big debate because they had to make it a legal thing, and this guy's bad in teaching that the Bible's not true, even though the Big Bang was created by a Catholic. That's that's who came up with that theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. Um, <laughs> And like, so, so much of it is like, okay. And even on the other side now, you know, some people say I'm a Christian evolutionist, which all of a sudden means that I can't believe the Bible, any part of it literal. I can't believe this, this or that, which means those Christians are the bad guys, you know, or, you know, even atheist evolutionist, all creations are, all Christians are bad because they think creation. Well, that's first off, that's not true. And second, that, that doesn't logically follow like I don't understand how both sides get to this point where it's like what your arguments don't make sense just because they disagree with you on how it started does not make them the bad guy. And I I feel like we do that with our own origins or like um, I when I was well, this is this is an actual example. That's kind of cool. This is a dumb example, but there are more real examples go with this. Like when I was a child, my parents had to cut bigger holes in the the nipples of the, uh, the baby bottle because I could not eat it quick enough. So in my head, I've always just ate fast. So that's why I eat fast, because I've always ate fast. And we use that as like a certainty, because it's always been this way. It has to be this way. And, when uh, you know, I think some people use their past with their families and stuff as excuses. And yes, it does cause psychological trauma. And yes, there are issues. And sometimes that will always stick with you. But also, to an extent, we can't base everything off our origins. It does affect where we are now. But I don't think we can base every part of our life on that. I don't think we should base every part of our theology on that. It is important, but it is not the most important. And that's that's just where I'm coming from. I am all for, you know, there's an extent to, I'm going to say, cultural significance. Um, I'm taken back to the story that I heard of missionaries in um, a certain part of Africa that when they would tell people about um, about the gospel, they would not use the very standard American language of Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart, which is problematic to begin with, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but because knocking at the door in that culture meant that you were about to get robbed. You if 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 it was your friend or if it was somebody that you knew, they would stand outside of your home and holler to see if you are home. But if they're going to knock, it was somebody that was casing the joint that was, you know, knocking. Huh. Yeah. So so we can. So so there's a there's a, a a measure of recontextualization that has to happen sometimes, and I'm I'm good with that. So to to fit what makes sense to a person's culture and all that kind of stuff. I have a fun example for that. I forget what country it is, but in one language that they translated the Bible, and apparently it was this huge controversy to people in America. But they translated Jesus saying he was the bread of life to saying he was the potatoes of life, 
because where they were, bread was super expensive. Right. <laughs> and they were trying to convey that Jesus was available to everybody. That that made a lot of people mad. <laughs> that's yep. what made that's what I was thinking of when you were saying that. I was like, the potatoes of life. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? Like without without jumping on to a, a soapbox and and sermonizing, I think one of the biggest things that humans struggle with wrapping their mind around. You know, we talk about how much we love God. We talk about how much reverence we have for God. We talk about all of this, but we have a hard time talking about what does God think of me? Mm. What does God yeah. think of, of the creation? And that's one thing that I always preach is the kingdom. Because you, we could sit here and tribalize about this, that, or the other thing. I could sit here and explain to you why I do not for a single second believe in young earth creationism. Somebody else could look at things and say <laughs> that they do believe in young earth creationism. And they might even use some of the same um, you know, evidence that I have or whatever. They're just recontextualized. Um, okay, at the end of the day, doesn't change a single thing about salvation. So cool, good. You believe that. I believe this. I think eventually yeah. we'll get straightened out. Well, but, okay. Sounds like we're on the whole church podcast. <laughs> right. Um, but at the end of the day, we are all part of the same kingdom. We are all part of the same community. And that's something that gets lost a lot of times with these sound boxes, these sound bites and these echo chambers. You know, you have these different platforms where people will sit there and, and argue their point and argue their point and argue their point. Well, if you're speaking truth and nobody's standing there to listen to you, what are you doing in the first place? So like sitting there barking about a thing just because that's what you believe doesn't necessarily do any good to anybody, to the kingdom. and. I think part of that is understanding what God thinks of his creation, that we are yeah. not the main characters of the story. God is the main character of the story and God is so gracious that he loves us. And so that two way street changes everything. It's not just about the respect that we have for him. It's not just, it's taking his opinion of us and his creation into consideration. And that should have an effect on how you argue with other people or how you get along with other people. It just should oh, yeah. as Christians. And so understanding all of that and understanding where we fit in does a whole lot to change how you view your identity. You know, as somebody who I can take this from an alternative point of view for a moment, um, I grew up, um, what's the, what's the, what's the, um, the old saying, um, gypsies, thieves, and, sc and scamps, something like that. <laughs> like it's, it's an old saying about like less than savory people. I come from less than savory people. And so like, I'm not my, my sister and I being saved in our family is a big deal because a lot of our family is not saved and hmm. more people have died of a drug overdose than have lived full natural lives. That's just the deal. And so when you say things like that's my identity, that's where I'm from, you have to take that into consideration. What are you speaking over yourself? What are you, what are you inheriting? 
when you say that. So it goes beyond just basing it off of because I'm a fact I'm Italian. It goes well beyond just this is where I'm from. When you're talking identity, you're talking about something way more deeper and way or sorry, let me say that because I can English well. Um, <laughs> you're, you're talking about something that's way deeper and way more nuanced than just where am I from? What do I do for a living? You know what yeah. I mean? And I think that that's part of where man will always struggle with that because man inherently struggles with identity. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, you you said that well. Um, I, I did want to throw out there because uh, we both were kind of hinting at what people do with origins and staying one side or the other side and that whole tribalism thing. Uh, one one person I found really interesting who gets a lot of flack from all sides is uh, Trimper Longman III. He actually writes a book called The Controversies of the Old Testament, and he's done a lot of scholarly work. He's worked on the ESV and CSB and a bunch of different Bible translations, and he has changed his mind throughout his lifetime which is why he gets flack because so many people are like, we thought you were on our side. He's like, okay, well I studied more and I learned more and I don't think I agree with that anymore. And uh, so in that book, he basically, he reveals that he believes in evolution, but he also still thinks the Bible is against same sex marriage. And he thinks the Bible teaches real history, but he calls it biblical history. And it's like half one side and half the other. Cause we always put both these things in, you know, one of two sides. And it's a good example that, we don't have to be that. We can be nuanced. We can think things through, come up with our own opinions. You can change your mind as you go throughout life. And I think that's probably a healthy and valuable thing. So I think everybody should check out that book because he likely disagrees with you on something. So even without, let me take it back to the Bible here for a minute. Um, you know, not that, not that I'm against people going up and reading an external book, but I think that we need to be able to turn to the Bible to be able to support these things. I am a big proponent of apologetics. Um, I, I am actually in the process of working on an article that only uses commonly accepted um, atheist, uh, atheist arguments to verify the death and resurrection of Jesus, to, to verify the empty tomb. Um, because nice. I think you can do it. I think you can do it very successfully. Um, and that requires looking at the Bible as more than just this religious document or that it's separate from human history. If you stop and look at the correlation between science and biblical event you see that this this is it's it's evident it's it there is proof at that point that these people existed that this time existed that these things happened that's at there comes a point where you choose to become willful willfully ignorant about about some of these things and that's why you see the highest levels of this form of debate nitpick rather than trying to wholesale say this is this this is that because they realize that so much of this leans in the favor of the bible so people who stand against the bible will try and use other areas to nitpick but the further you go down that road the and the further you take this 
And with a skeptic's mind, compare this to history, the more you realize that there is there's proof text here. There is there is a setting that I can put this behind to know that that this is some of the things, yeah, you're not we're not ever gonna know all of it. <laughs> yeah. But at the same token, there's so much of it that can fall into place that allows a whole lot of other things to fall into place. Yeah, I um I don't know if you ever heard of uh, Richard Friedman, but he is a Jewish scholar and author. And one of his critiques of um, archaeology in general right now, especially in the Middle East, he says, is if it were the other way around, if we had all of these pieces they're digging up, a then all of a sudden they dug up a Bible, they would be using that to prove what all of this stuff is. But because we've had the Bible so long and it's have all this religious context, they're like, oh, we can't use that. That doesn't tell us what these are. And he's like, well, you know, it doesn't make sense that if you would have found it afterwards, you would have used it. But because you found it before, you won't. Right. And that's a, I always thought that was a good critique. Um, now, to bring this back to Doctor Who, even, uh, I think that's also what the show was trying to do. I think that's why they tried to go back to the origin so that they could come up with this new villain from her origins. And it's just one of those. It's annoying that people have to go back to the origins and they have to have certainty and they have to go into that. This is exactly how it happened. And thus, these are the bad guys. And when we look at the Bible and um, instead of doing a Bible verse, I'm going to do a Bible book. So the entire book of Job, <laughs> God is quite, like, well, a lot's going on. But near the end of the book, a large part of it is God talking to Job. And he says, where were you when I did all this? You know, all these terrible things are happening. Job, Job doesn't understand. It. He's questioning God. And God goes, I am the origins. You weren't there. No one knows how it happened because only I know how it happened because only I was there. And I think a large part of it in the church and in the world is we want to have this certainty and we have a hard time accepting the fact that sometimes there is mystery. Sometimes it is okay that we don't know if the doctor was half human or not. It is okay that we are not 100% sure how Anakin became Vader. I would have been okay not seeing that. Um and it is okay to not have all the answers for the origins of the universe, to not remember your first birthday, to not relate everything back to your family. It is okay. Yes, these things can contribute and help you understand things. But also, there is mystery, and sometimes mystery is good. And sometimes we have to accept the fact that only God knows. And that's that's where I'm kind of landing with this. Yeah, do you have any thoughts to tag on to that, Joe? Um, yeah, I mean, there are certain things there's, you know, major in the major minor in the minors, you know what I mean? Like that's, it's very important to understand what hill you're going to die on. I'm never going to, you're never going to hear me die on the hill of any particular point of view of the end times or creation, but I will die on the hill of the empty tomb. 110 percent yep yeah that is yeah yeah <laughs> amen uh so so with that being said then um I, I i think that is a good place to kind of transition into our wrap-up um you guys uh I, I would encourage you to check out joe's podcast because it doesn't mean as much when he says it but uh the buddy walk with jesus they go all through what exactly the tomb does mean and what does it mean to be a Christian in today's world? It's a valuable input to your life today. 
you know, they might not tell you the origins of the universe, but they will tell you the origins you need to know about and what to do with your life now. Um, so for the wrap up. Uh, we always like to start with recommendations and man, there's just, there's so much I could recommend. I, I'm going to want to make mine, mine a little, I, I'm going to do a weird one, I guess. Um, for, if you have been into the new who, and you haven't really seen a lot of classic doctor who, uh, try and find yourself a copy of the five doctors. It has the first five doctors of the classic series and it's a really compelling story happens on Gallifrey. It's pretty cool looking for something that's as dated as it is. So I, I'd say check that out. What about you, Joe? I mine is not um, Doctor Who related. Uh, mine is I have been listening to the second season of uh, Marvel Wastelanders, which is a podcast produced a by Marvel. Show. That's like um like an end time or not end times, uh, like an apocalyptic future, you know, bad guys win sort of thing. And the world building that they do in that is, is very, it's exceptional. So I would definitely suggest that first season was centered around star Lord, which I thought was very good. Um, and they're about halfway through, uh, the Hawkeye season. I will say that is a show that will, make you laugh and make you cry and is awkward to listen to at work. And I do it anyway. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, it's a great show. Uh, so before we go, we do want to let you guys know where you can find more of us. Um, and you actually can go to systematic hit host. And each host has their own page on there that shows you pretty much everything we do. Um, but you could also go to the whole church podcast, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. And you will hear my other podcast with, my co-host tj blackwell uh joe where can people find you um yeah anywhere you find uh you find podcasts um also on on facebook you can find me at uh buddy walk with jesus awesome next episode we will be talking about marvel's what if and that will be uh will be a fun talk we're gonna do a little bit of what if with the bible and i will be back for that as well as Brandon Knight and Dan Stewart as the hosts. Um, and then you can go to our website in the description to let us know what you've been geeking out on and what we should be. And remember, guys, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.